0: Thank you, ladies. What a uh, a beautiful thought, Holy Spirit. Thou art welcome in this place. You know, I, I really enjoy coming here on uh, on Sunday. Not just Sunday, but really any day. Wednesday, or if we have another day, I uh, I look I look forward to being in this place. Because this is the place where the Lord's Spirit can uh, come and dwell with us. It can enlighten our minds and our thoughts. And, you know, people, uh, they, they have their favorites and the things they like to do. You know, if you ask people questions and you query them, you know, what, what's your favorite place to be? You, you ask a child, they'd say, oh, you know, I want to go to Dave and Buster's some people it'd be um, uh, they'd be at the ball game or perhaps at the chief's game you know i I just love being there and the, and the things that you feel, but you know brothers and sisters uh if if you ask me uh, it is this place that I look forward to being in, and uh, I look forward to uh, worshiping with you and to feeling the the presence. I I come here to uh, to have my mind cleared of uh, of uh, all the things in this world that uh, would try to pull its attention away from uh, our Lord and Savior, and 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 it and it happens so many times that uh, my thoughts are cleared and I have um, I'm renewed and I have uh, focused Some of my some of my best sermons come to me as I'm just sitting out here in the congregation, under the ministry of that Holy Spirit, and that is the um, that is the spirit that we hope will be here today, that will uh, will minister to us, that will uh, clear our minds, that will give us peace, that will give us joy, and there is joy, brothers and sisters, in this gospel. And uh, we pray that uh, our brother Joe would be uh, continued to uh, be directed in his thoughts and the words that he would bring, but that uh, all things might be to the glory of our Heavenly Father here this morning. Let us continue in our worship with uh, singing hymn number two.
1: Almighty God, we have assembled in this place to sing our praises unto thy holy throne. To thank you, Father, for this beautiful day that you provided for us, that we might share together in that gift of the Holy Spirit, that it might be that cleansing factor in our lives, that we might be those soldiers in the army of your son. So I pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to be among us this day. It might be with my brother Joe, that his words would be your words, that you'd use his mouth to speak those very words to your children this day. We thank thee, Father, for all of your gifts and blessings to us along life's journey. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
2: reading from Psalms 50:10 through 12 for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills and the wild beasts of the field are mine for the world is mine in the fullness thereof let not any man among you say that it is his own let us pray our father art in heaven hallowed be thy name we ask that uh, you bless those monies that are given And uh, bless those who wish to give that are not able. We ask that uh, you'll be with those who use the money, that they will have wisdom, and that you'll guide and direct them. I ask that you help us improve in our stewardship. And I ask this in the name of our Savior, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thank yeah. you.
3: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." Thank you to the young ladies for bringing the ministry of music this morning, all of you young ladies, and the invitation that they shared to have not only the Spirit but the presence of our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here to be with us in this place. It's important, I think, for me to share with you that if I do nothing else here today, the importance is for me to call you and point you to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I really have no greater mission than that. To point you to your Savior, that altogether lovely one, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who his Father said, By mine only begotten Son created I these things, speaking of this earth that we live on and of us. He's our Creator. He is our Savior. He was graciously willing to leave the courts of glory and come down and walk among men. His feet got dusty. He felt the sun on his face and the sweat form in a bead on his brow. He knew what it was to be hot and cold and hungry. All the processes that you and I feel it was necessary for him to experience those things. He knew it. That he had to go, that there would be no excuse for you and I. And we wouldn't say, well, you're God. You didn't experience what it was like. It's not true. He did. And he went to the cross, something that I hope you and I never have to experience. He endured the pain. And whether or not it was the pain of the physical flesh that he had to endure or was it the pain of rejection and dismissal by his people that didn't believe who he was or why he came. That's the greater pain I can imagine. But I point you to this Jesus Christ Because saints, men are that they might have joy. And you can read in Genesis how it is that Eve, she sang the song of the redeemed with joyfulness. Because she knew that she had been forgiven of her sins. And the only way that she could have been forgiven of her sins is if Jesus Christ would have come in the meridian of time and done that for her. You and I have the same occasion to be joyous because we're redeemed of our Savior, our Heavenly Father. And I read to you here out of the book of Ephesians how it is that we are no more strangers and foreigners, but are citizens and saints of the household of God. And that's where I desire to be. And I pray that you always will desire to be part of the household of God. And that household is built upon a sure foundation, isn't it? The Apostle Paul tells us right here that Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In the book of Isaiah which we've been studying, and is fast becoming my favorite book. The 28th chapter, and if you have your scriptures with you, I'd encourage you to turn there. We're going to be spending some time here in the 28th chapter of the book of Isaiah today. And beginning at verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation. A stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Jesus Christ indeed is this cornerstone and this sure foundation. As a reference back in First Peter, the second chapter, beginning of verse 4, it says, "...to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Yea, also as lively stones are built upon a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and Jesus Christ." Therefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, and he's quoting Isaiah here, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, who believe he is precious, but unto them who are disobedient, who stumble at the word through disobedience, whereunto they are appointed a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For the stone which the builders disallow is become the head of the corner. Jesus Christ is indeed this precious cornerstone. And if you're familiar with the purpose of a cornerstone in building, it's the very first stone that is laid. We heard last night we went to the service up at the Stone Church and they spoke about the the cornerstone of the Stone Church being laid in the year 1888 I think it was might have been a little bit earlier than that. And upon that stone the saints built the foundation and that church arose. In its figurative language Jesus Christ is that cornerstone because it's off of that stone placed in the corner that you measure in every direction. X, Y, and Z axes, for those of you that remember your trigonometry. Or those of you that don't remember your trigonometry, this way and that way and up. Off of that stone is how we're measured. Verse 17 says, judgment also will I lay to the line. And righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. In the book of Amos, uh, Amos saw a vision, and he saw the Lord standing on a wall, and that wall was straight and true. And he had in his hand a line, a plummet, a plumb line. And he held that line out there, and you know what a, a plumb bob is. It's a string and it's got a weight that has a point on it. And you hold it out there. And as soon as that plumb bob settles down and stops moving, you have a line that is perfectly vertical in each and every direction. And it is a line on which you measure. And this is exactly what the Lord is going to do with us. He says, "'Judgment I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet.'" You and I are compared to that perfectly plumb line, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't employ a servant there. He alone stands and holds that line, plumb in his hand. And he gauges us and compares our lives. Are we plumb? Are we the righteous people that he has called us to be? It goes on to say about this cornerstone off of which all things are measured. To the righteous, the lively stones can build upon it and build a great tabernacle. But to the unrighteous, this stone becomes a hindrance to them and a stumbling stone. You know, we talked a lot in class today, and I'm sorry that you get a double dose of Joe today, but we talked a lot about the judgments that are coming upon the world. And while those things may seem uh, awful, And terrible. They are necessary. Because what the Lord is doing is he is meeting out the nations. He's measuring the nations against the standard by which he has uh, put in place. That standard being the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Have you ever seen a field where the crops after a hailstorm has come? I know Tony has. He doesn't like to see those hailstorms come. They're, they're flattened by these big hailstones, whether it's wheat or corn or, or whatever the crop is. It just it makes them level. And the Lord says, uh, in speaking of these hailstones, he'll sweep away the refuge of lies. He'll expose any of those lies. We have a lot of lies in this country today. We have a lot of lies in this world. It's hard to find the truth. And the promise that the Lord has is that he is going to sweep these things away. And then the waters are going to come. And they're going to overflow the hiding places. You know, if there's anything that I know about water, if there is a crack anywhere in your basement or in your window well, water is going to find its way in there. And what a wonderful example the Lord has used here in talking about uh, water, how it's going to sweep and it's going to uh, find, what's it say, these uh, hiding places. You can't hide because that water always finds a level. It always finds its way in. And if you take it a step further, think about um, uh, what the Lord has promised not from a judgment standpoint, but has promised for the sake of the righteous. And righteousness and truth will I cause to sweep the earth as with a flood, to gather out mine own elect from the four quarters of the earth into a place which I shall prepare. Genesis chapter 7 verse 70. And it's spoken of righteousness sweeping the earth as with a flood. Because that righteousness, that flood of water that comes across this world, there's not a place that it won't find. And that's true. That's what the Lord is going to do. Yes, he's going to be bringing about judgment, but he's also going to be bringing about righteousness. That those that didn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ before will come to know and come to understand and accept, or have the opportunity to accept, Jesus Christ as their Savior. What a lovely thought that is, saints. I look forward to those days which are ahead. I want to share with you an experience that I had. Um, this last fall and I'm going to only share it with you, uh, in part. I was, uh, I attended a retreat of the priesthood at the Kirtland temple and we had some lovely classes and time together and worship at, at the temple. And that night I retired to bed and I was inquiring of the Lord about some things and I was, uh, Asking for some direction and what his will was. And I slept that night, and when I awoke in the morning, the Lord gave me an answer, at least in part, to what my questions were. And he told me that my hand is about to move to bring about my strange act. My hand is about to move to bring about my strange act. And I was puzzled at what he shared with me because while I remembered that was somewhere in the scriptures, I didn't remember a lot about what that meant, what a strange act meant. And as I uh, was considering this yesterday, I... Wanted to know if this is what the Lord wanted me to share this morning, or was it for another time? And I have been uh, cleaning out my office at home um, over the holidays. You know, you collect a lot of things in your office. Things stack up, and we move some things around, and I was trying to get organized and getting things uh, cleaned up and put in files yesterday. And, and I was going through, one at a time, kind of different things that I had that people um you that have been pastor before, you'll know that you get a lot of reading material from folks. Here, you ought to read this. And I always graciously accept those things. I don't always have time to read them, you know, at that particular moment. But I'd, I'd collected a large stack of things, and I was going through those, and I had, had a notebook. It was just a paper notebook, and in there was bound um, a typewritten class, and I must have received this from um, Sister Peggy Smart, if you all remember Peggy. She and Paul attended here a little while before they passed. And I must have gotten it years ago. It's been several years ago that I'd gotten this. And and in that packet of material was a class that she had taught. Now, she didn't put it together. It was actually put together in the late 40s, from 1947 to 1950, by Charles Fry. And it had to do with prophecy as it related To the destiny of the United States of America. And so it piqued my interest. I remember having had it before and having gone through it, but I started to leaf through um, just looking just to see if there's anything in there that, that struck my curiosity and my eyes fixed upon the top of one of the pages because there it said, and my hand will move to bring about my strange act. And so this, in many ways, saints, was an answer to my prayer as to whether I should share this particular uh, testimony with you. I do believe that the Lord's hand is about to move to bring about this strange act. And when I had those words spoken to me there in my room in Kirtland, I uh, I didn't know what that meant. And I told the Lord that I I said, Lord, I don't know what that means. And I didn't have a concordance with me to look it up at that time. This was in the fall of this last year. And he said, uh, in answer to my question, he says, uh, You won't understand now, but afterwards it will be revealed. And so I took him at his word for that. And I went and I documented that in my journal, you know, kind of exactly what he instructed me because my memory's not so good. I don't remember things if I don't write them down. And so I wrote that down. And I have been studying that since and got my concordance out when I returned home from the trip. And I took a look at at where those words, a strange act, happen in Scripture. And there's only... uh, Three places that that's mentioned. And one of these is in the 28th chapter of the book of Isaiah, from which we're reading. And the other two are in the Doctrine and Covenants. And if you look at verse 21, Isaiah 28, verse 21, For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim, and he shall be wroth as in the valley of gibeon that he may do his work his strange work and bring to pass his act his strange act and so there's a few clues in that particular scripture that may help us to understand a little bit more about what this strange act might be the first is that the Lord's going to rise up as he did in Mount Perizim. And if you go back to the book of 2 Samuel in the 5th uh, the chapter, it speaks of this particular event. It has to do with David and the children of Israel. It has to do with the Philistines and the fact that they were at war with the Philistines quite often. And in 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter, verse 19 says, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up unto the Philistines, and wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And David came to Baal-Perizim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of the waters. Wherefore he called the name of that place. Baal, Perizim. The Lord strengthened the hand of David in this war against the Philistines. And David, bless his heart, he even asked permission of the Lord before he went up to war. Nobody wants to go to war. Perhaps the reasons were justified. Philistines, I think they were, if you read the history there. The Lord blessed David in such a way that... uh, He had the strength to go up against, I would say, even a greater army, those of the Philistines. And to do it in such a way that he would uh, win that battle. And if you notice the language that was used there, again, the reference to water, it says, as the breach of the waters is how David and the armies of Israel went up Against the Philistines have you ever seen a breach in the levee or in a dam as that breach begins and the water begins to flow and it opens up that breach even further and the waters just gush out and there's hardly anything that'll stand in the way of the breach and that's what happened here with the nation of Israel under the leadership of David under the leadership of their heavenly father who gave them this strength to go to war. And also, it's mentioned that he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon. So these two things, Perizim and Gibeon, will take place before this strange act occurs. And in the book of Joshua, in the uh, twelfth chapter of the book of Joshua, i can find the book of joshua i've lost all my tabs in my scriptures they've fallen off and and i've captured them and i i have them in the fold of my scriptures it doesn't do me much good to have them there and i'm going to one of these days glue them all back on but in the book of joshua um i think it's actually the 10th chapter In the book of Joshua, um, if you remember when the nation of Israel went into the promised land and they attacked the city of Jericho, and that city fell very easily to the nation of Israel. And after that, the, uh, the, the city of Ai, spelled A, capital I I don't know if you call it A or, or I, I don't know how you pronounce that exactly. Um, the nation of Israel went in and wiped out those people, And the Gibeonites were probably the next city, and kind of by stratagem, the Gibeonites came and presented themselves to Joshua, and Joshua made a a promise to them that he would not um, destroy them, but they had to become servants. And and they agreed, happily, to do that, but that made their neighbors mad, the, the Amorites. And there were five kings of the Amorites that came up to war against the Gibeonites because they had made... And allegiance with the nation of Israel. And the Gibeonites called upon Joshua and the nation of Israel to help them in this battle against the Amorites. And in Joshua chapter 10, it says, And the Lord discomfited them, we use that word in class today, before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Betharon, and smote them, and uh, all the way from Ezekiel unto. Makeda Makeda and it came to pass that they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to beth Haran. and the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them all the way to Azekah and they died and there were many that died with hailstones whom the children of Israel who, sorry there were many which died more died with from the hailstones than from the children of Israel what they slew with the sword. And then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivereth up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged, avenged themselves upon their enemies. What a tremendous sight this must have been. Not only did the nation of Israel turn the Amorites to flight against the sword, but as they were fleeing from them, the Lord sent these great hailstones to land upon them. And not only when they finished that, did Joshua say, Lord, let the sun stay up so we can continue this fight. And the Lord honored that request. What marvelous events. And these are all recorded in Scripture. These are true events, saints that happened. So as we consider that which is about to happen, that which the Lord's hand's going to move and bring about his strange act, we can expect in these last days events such as this that were experienced by David and by Joshua where the Lord clearly protected and gave strength to the armies of Israel. We as latter-day Israel will be strengthened in the same way as we make preparation to see and witness this strange act that the Lord will bring about. And this strange act, my friends, is the restoration of the house of Israel. The restoration of the house of Israel. Those that are lost, of the tribes that are lost, of the peoples that are lost, of the tribe of Judah that don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. All of these things, they'll all come and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who He is. The Savior. Jesus the Christ. I mentioned to you that... um, This strange act is also mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants. The first location is in the 92nd section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Very first verse. 1C. "...for the preparation wherewith I design to prepare mine apostles to prune my vineyard for the last time, that I may bring to pass my strange act, that I may pour out my Spirit upon all flesh." This is part of this strange act, brothers and sisters, bringing about the restoration of the house of Israel by the Lord himself pouring out his spirit upon them. What's the office work of the Holy Spirit, of that Holy Ghost? To bear witness of the Father and the Son. It's the testimony The testimony of who they are. Think back. What converted you to the truth? To the gospel of Jesus Christ? Was it Vivian Sorensen? Was it Arthur Oakman? List any name that you want. Those men were instruments in the hands of the Lord... It was the testimony of the Holy Spirit that bore witness to you and your heart of who Jesus Christ is. That was your conversion, saints, was it not? Let me turn you now over to the 98th chapter of the Doctrine and Covenants. Verse 12, right at the end of that verse, 12e, that I may proceed to bring to pass my act, my strange act, and perform my work, my strange work, that men may discern between the righteous and the wicked, saith your God. Again, it's the testimony of the Spirit that we can discern the truth and what is right and what is wrong. Righteousness versus wickedness. It seems that we have a little bit of trouble in our world today discerning between right and wrong. Who would have ever supposed... We would see the condition of a world that we live in in such a way as this, where right is wrong and wrong is right. But the Lord told us it was going to be this way, saints. And so take strength and be of good courage because the Lord is about to pour out his spirit in such a way that this strange act that none of us really understand will come to pass. In threshing the nations by the power of that Spirit and bringing them to their God and their Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. We have great blessings before us as a church. We have great blessings as a people to look forward to as we see his hand move, as we talked about in class, as he bears his arm. And the strength that will be exhibited are like when the days when Joshua asked the Lord to let the sun stand still. Will there be any question? If the sun stood still from this moment until tomorrow, don't you think that would get your attention? Don't you think you would know that the Lord's hand was in this? This is the power of that which we are about to witness, my friends. And I pray that we do it together. Yoked up, as, a, uh, as it said there in the book of Ephesians, fitly framed together and growing unto a holy temple. In the Lord, we are called upon saints to be the members of the temple of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're called upon to be those lively stones that are laid upon the foundation with Jesus Christ being the chief and precious cornerstone. Let us grow together in the strength of the Lord. That is my prayer for us today. Saints, continue in steadfastness, having your eyes fixed upon the truth from which you can gauge all righteousness, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, like that plum line. Gauge your life against it, and if your measurement comes up short, fix it. Don't let the day pass get it right, straight, and true, is my prayer for us. May God bless us as we endeavor to serve Him and endure unto the end.
2: our Father, and our God. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I wish to thank you, O God, for the ministry of the Melchizedek, which we have received this day. For truly, Lord, we have been taught from on high. And this great message, Lord, this admonition for us to make right our lives and to make straight our pathways, your pathways and for us to align our lives with you. And so Lord, I would ask a blessing upon this people upon every soul here. You have brought them here. You have moved in their lives You have brought them them to this point in their life. And so, Lord, I would ask a blessing upon each one. That we might remember our testimony. That that testimony within us might be strengthened. That we would cleanse and purify our lives. That we would come out of Babylon. That we would double our efforts, Lord to walk that pathway which your son has walked for us and with us. And so, Lord, I pray for our hearts and our minds. I pray that you will strengthen each one, that we might come upon higher ground. And, Lord, I pray this for all of your saints, wherever they are, wherever they are gathered. For none are lost unto you. Lord, we wish to praise you and thank you for this opportunity to come here in peace, to worship you in spirit and in truth, and to sit under the ministry of your Son and of that Holy Spirit which you have given to man to bring him back and to call him back to you. Thank you, O God, for the way, for the truth, and the life, which is your Son, Jesus Christ. May all praise, honor, and glory be thine forever and ever, Lord, is my prayer. And I ask this now in the name of your Holy Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen.